Hey guys, uh, hello and welcome to a very tired, very worn out, three t uh, strong team, the full grappling team. Um, apologies in advance because, how about you guys, I'm dead. World Championships 2019, possibly the best ever, but I barely made it to the other side alive. You guys are on the road even longer with the road to Worlds. Are you you're here physically? Are you here in spirit? Ah. Uh. Yeah, barely. Barely. We made it. We made it. What a week, huh? What a crazy what a week. week. It was an insane week. So much jujitsu packed into those those days. Uh, four days at the World Championships inside that pyramid. I it felt like, like three months. It felt like three months inside that pyramid from like 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Like every day. Um, a wild weekend. So, so from the blue belts to the black belts, it's like I'm still... I'm still trying to process it all. I really am. I'm actually not here, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was um, amazing storylines across the board. Like you were saying, blue through black. It was so fun to watch. Uh, some unexpected upsets. Some guys we thought would do really well, uh, complete the task. So, man, still processing all that went down. But what a, what a weekend, huh? It's yeah. a lot to digest. It really right? is, man. It's like we build up the entire year for it, you know? And then I can't believe it's over now. I can't <laughs> believe it's over, you know? But now is now's a fun part, too. Now you kind of get the see where all the the chips lay where all the chips fall kind of afterwards you know you get to see um uh, where everybody gets promoted and whatnot true, that, that, that's a, 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 such a fun part you know you see you can start speculating for, for next year ne next year's black belts and everything like that um just I, I don't even know where to start it well was, that's the thing right at the end of each day we would uh you know when the when the final match was over we would all we would take a deep breath and we would go, wow. Let's get out of here. What a day. That's, really <laughs> That's what we would say. Yeah. <laughs> Time to bounce. <laughs> but it, it would always be a case of like, wow, what a day. Did you see that happen? And the, the, usually it would be like, that was today? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, that was only like four hours ago. But I could have sworn that was like the day before yesterday. Man, oh, it, it's just whatever. those 12 mats for the first three days. It's 12 mats. Well, it's and a nearly overwhelming amount of jujitsu to take in. But yeah. I feel that... Especially if you look at the event coverage on site. If you look at flowgrappling.com, go to the events page and then go and look at the, the, the stuff that we put up from Worlds. I think we did a pretty good job of covering it. I hope we did. Yeah, those but, guys are great. I couldn't tell you what happened, though. Like, <laughs> go back and read. We're, still, we're working on it. <laughs> we're yeah. working on it. But uh, I think now is the opportunity for us to talk about maybe uh, some of the standout moments. Because there were so many, you know. And, and, and there's a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. And we'll be talking about it for weeks, I'm sure. But... Um, you know, there were so many amazing standout moments, and we could talk about everything. We could talk about blue belts, purple belts, brown belts, black belts. We could talk about the men's divisions. We could talk about the women's divisions. And, and I'm sure we would still miss some. So apologies. We're not going to cover every single thing that happened at Worlds today. But there Let's are... Let's start with one, though, which is... <laughs> <laughs> you go ahead. Pick one, Chase. So I, I'm going to steal this one because I know Please it's on do. everyone's mind. Mikey Musumeci claiming ah, his third world got title. First. Come on. We all wanted it. It's got to be the biggest down. story out of yeah, world. It was incredible. And, Mark of course, his sister also claiming a world title after not even really training that much, going to law school, full-time student. Incredible. Yeah. So, actually, a double double uh, entry into the history books there because Mikey was, as you say, first ever American to win three uh, world titles. And his sister, that was her first, but it's the first time a brother and sister have ever taken black belt gold medals in the same world championships. Incredible. Mm -hmm. And I believe we got we have a clip of uh, of Mikey winning the world championships. That Mikey clip won. We can we can play that one. Oh, let's uh, take just, a look just at while, this. Uh, nope, this is um, Mikey Musumeshi who we're talking about. Mikey, let's let's look for that one. Um, but yeah, like you guys said, here he is right here, man. This this one is so happened so quick. It was so quick. I'm glad you were filming. Yeah, it didn't last long. Yeah, it didn't last long. But so again, another entry into the history books: fastest submission in a black belt world championships final. Wow! Twelve wow. seconds. And the previous record <laughs> done. The previous record was 18 seconds. We thought that was pretty fast. Mikey's like, no, I can do better. 12 seconds, cuts it in half almost. Yeah, Incredible, and right? and I think the um the final here is is something that like really encapsulates I think Mikey because. Mm. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't look. You know, as he's kind of unassuming guy, but make no mistake, Mikey is coming after that submission. Oh, he is yeah. a submission hunter. You know, and uh, twelve seconds. Wow, great accomplishment there. Incredible. I uh, I think the thing about Mikey as well that stands out for me is that um, he's like a really unlikely fan favorite, right? Mm. He's a. You know, you think about the sort of the typical jujitsu guy. 
and it's usually like um like a leandro or a Bouchesher, that kind of like the super jacked you know the guy he's got a bit of a swagger about him he's kind of like you know the the badass and stuff mikey's not any of that he's got right? pasta swagger dude that guy loves pasta <laughs> <laughs> he's the he's the complete opposite of that kind of like stereotypical image that many people have of the, of the jiu-jitsu athlete and yet people love him americans love him of course but the brazilians also are like they're all about mikey or like oh, yeah. I, why do you think that is I mean, just look you, how can you not like mikey but i think we got a, a clip here of uh, of uh, one of the, in the great match from mikey against uh, bruno malfacini that we can check out a little bit too but it's just hard not to not to like this guy right i mean it's been a, a special experience just like these last three years watching him create his legacy make history time and time again you know and and i think that we're all along for the ride and everybody's like is really understanding um i think you know how good mikey is and this this guy could could be one of the best of all times and you know the the, the fact that he beat bruno malfasini in the semi-final the 10-time world champion bruno malfasini you know one of the most dominant guys pound for pound <clears throat> in the entire sport mikey takes him out in the semi-final absolutely incredible achievement but there was a uh, a little controversial moment in that match, mm. right? Mm. The the fake handshake to the what, what was that all about, Chase? Ah, oh, it's a classic move. I hit Reed with that all the time. <laughs> uh, I had to say, but uh, yeah, a little bit, little bit heat there. I don't know the full story. There seems to be some swirling of rumors of other stuff going on behind the scenes. Mikey seemed pretty surprised by it too, right? Mikey seemed surprised, and Mikey's a genuine guy. I, I don't know. I can't speak for Bruno. Uh, definitely seemed to be unnecessary, but at the same time. Adds a little bit of flavor to the event. Definitely had people talking. Uh, and enriches Mikey's story to get in the gold. So, you know what? A bit of a bit of a sour moment there for Bruno, but he's still one of the greatest of all time. I don't think it's going to really, you know, tarnish any of his legacy. He's still one of the greats. So. Yeah, and this, Craig didn't the, like it, though, huh? This moment that we're talking about, it's just I believe it's just coming up here in just a second. This is right here at the end of the match. Mm. You know, Mikey, that last sweep that we saw was the kind of um, the match-winning sweep. It's 10-8. to 8. These, these are the final seconds. And this is the, the what happened here at the end. Uh, yeah, you know, obviously, heat, heat of the moment, you know, right after it happened. Ooh. Oh, there it is. There it is. What do you guys think? Mikey's like, what? Yeah. Uh, you know, heat of the moment. And he did, oh. he, did, he did, I believe he did put out an Instagram post apologizing, right? Something so, like that. That's the appropriate. Kind of. Not really. It was, it was, really? It was okay. uh, there's more to the story. Gotcha. I, yeah. I don't feel well, I know bad. they used yeah. to train back in there because, of course, Mikey's from Florida mm-hmm. as well. And I, I know they used to. Trained Bruno's back in based the day. in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, or they had trained together back in the day. Mm, I think so. Mikey should wait maybe just like a full three, four seconds though. I don't know. Some guys, like Bruno is a 10-time world champion, just lost for the first time in God knows how long. He might need a moment, you know, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, right. Just throwing it out there. But. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good point. The crowd didn't like it though. And there were, there were many comments from the fans about, you know, the um, – the unsportsmanlike behavior mm. in, in faking the handshake and stuff, but I think that they, I think that they, they quashed it. I'm and sure. I did notice sure. actually, you know, even even after that kind of like occurred, and, and and Mikey and Bruno they walked off the mat talking to each other. I got to say it was really cool because Michael Langy was right there, mat side. Uh, I think he was coaching Bruno, right? And um, and as as Mikey comes off, uh, Michael goes straight up to him and makes sure that he gives Mikey a big firm handshake, like a, a legit recognition of. Job well done. Mm. You know, you may have beat the guy that I was coaching, but big handshake. Michael so. Lange, of course, one of the greats who uh, looks like he retired over the weekend. Some big news there. A couple guys yeah. left their belts on the mats. Uh, three. Tarsus yeah. Humphreys and, Humphreys uh, and Kavaka. Yeah. So uh, a memorable world for many reasons, right? Mm. But th- those were three of the three incredible veterans, all of them past world champions yeah. retiring. Um it's kind of uh, it's an interesting like tradition, right? We don't we've seen it once or twice, but we haven't seen it much, right? Mm. Definitely happened more than this world championship that I'd seen before. I feel like you know we'd seen Hamelo put his belt on the mat in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe maybe Victor Estima put his belt on the on the mat at Worlds. I believe. I believe, but I think he took it back. Took I, think, it back? I think he made a po- <laughs> I think he made a post the same day saying like, oh yeah, you know, uh, I'm, we'll gonna, I'm gonna do something else maybe. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. I gotta say that the, 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 the definitely that was a theme though, right? The 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 older generation leaving their leaving their their belts on the mat is is um, stands out, but it really it's a symbol of of a great thing that we saw at the World Championships, and that was this this great generational shift. Mm. I think that we saw right. We saw a couple of really sort of big up and coming stars first year black belts do incredibly well uh everybody of course talking about kainan duarte the 21 year old from atos who beat leandro low in the heavyweight final 
and Matthias Gabriel, mm. the youngster from Checkmat, submitting Marcio Andre in the featherweight final. Did anybody expect that? Did, did either of you predict that? I, I did. I, <laughs> I, I, I can't say I predicted a submission really, I'm going to go back and watch yeah. the, uh, the preview show for Worlds to see if either of you called that. <laughs> Reason why I deleted him. Also, we got to throw out uh, my Sebastos name, another first-year black belt taking home a world title. Beating taking out uh, Rikako... Um, you, you asked her, right? That's how you say your last and, name? And she's like a million-time world champion? <laughs> she had the last four years running. And wow. so Misa went upset that streak. So uh, impressive performance on her end as well. Yeah, Incredible. And, and then on top of it, though, you got to say that um, the generational shift, right? Um, Mateus is a, is a great example. I believe we have a, um, a clip here of Mateus Gabriel versus Marcio Andre. Oh, they're, I want to see this. Their final. That was a wild match as well because yeah. I, it was one of those typical featherweight technical battles where they're really going at it and it's extremely intricate. There's a lot of like leg fighting and stuff. And let's be honest, we don't see that many submissions in the featherweight division at the highest levels as it is. There was one standout, actually. Isaac Duerdline hit that really nasty footlock on Rafael Mansour. I think it was in the uh, in the quarterfinal, possibly. Uh, very nasty. But in the final of the featherweight world championships, almost never. Mm. I mean, probably not for like 10 years or more. So, um, but yeah, Matthias Gabriel, the way that he, he dived on that, uh, the, on the submission, it was it was a kind of a weird one, right? What, yeah, I was, was hoping we, we have the clip. Hopefully, we can find that one. The Mateus Gabriel clip is what we're looking for. There, it's a great uh, yeah. In the final uh, versus Mateus uh, versus Marcio Andre, here it Ooh, is. There here you we go. Are. Here we go. Pull it up. And Mateus in the blue, and uh, a bit of an unusual one, right? I think in the last minute or so, Ma Ma Marcio he he opened up his game and maybe gave the yeah right here. Oh, oh so sick. He jumps right into it. Yeah, you. Don't see that very often. A reverse triangle from top. And he does that kind of like that arm crush. Twisting oh, arm beautiful. block thing. Wagner likes that, I believe, yeah. as well. Wow. But, but like you said, man, I don't think any of us really did expect this. This is a kid who was a brown belt this time last year. Yeah. Um, you, you know, he won pans. He beat Jameel Hill there. And I think that, that really opened everybody everybody's eyes to how good this guy is. And one of the things that like, strikes me. Uh, so much about Mateus Gabriel is that his he's so confident. Mm. His 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 confidence is just like sky high. From yeah. from when I met him at um or when I was talking to him at Pans, you know, and, and he told me then he was like he was like you know just wait you watch you know I'm gonna be world champion and uh, and, and he was there he is and he, yeah and he is you know and man that that was that was a really cool um one to watch definitely. Uh, with the the Mateus Gabriel as well, I, I, some of the names that he's actually beaten because he he's only been competing as a black belt since I think around about November last year. I think mm. his his first black belt match was Paulo Miao. Right, mm. it was inspired last year. Draw. No, and he went head to head with Paulo, and I think it was a six four match or something like that. And now, if that was a sign of Mateus's potential as a black belt, you know, it, it really was. It was like a foreboding this incredible career because he went on. He beat like guys like the 2018 silver medalist Leo Sagioro. He mm. beat the 2018 uh, world champion Jamil Hill. He beat the veteran Keishinho. He beat Gianni Grippo, right? And then goes and submits Marcio Andre himself, I, I think a three-time European champion and a, a world silver medalist also. Just phenomenal, phenomenal for a kid who, who's just coming up to the one-year mark of his black belt. Yep, and then another guy there, like we like we said, Kynan Duarte. I think we have a clip from Kynan's uh, final as well. I mean, I, it doesn't get much tougher than a final versus Leandro Lowe. You know, I mean, Leandro Lowe is built for the finals of the World Championships. He's been in so many of them. Um, so for him to go to go in and beat Leandro Lowe in the finals there, I think that that really put a statement on the, uh, you know Kynan's first year. At and man, what belt. a fun match that was too. Sometimes finals can be kind of grind, you know, and that was back and forth, some sweeps from both guys. I, I really had a fun time watching that bout. I mean, it's no secret we're hot on Kynan, right? We've been talking about him a lot this last year. And of course, for good reason. The kid's been winning everything. He's Euros, won, won pans, no yeah. gi worlds, Europeans, pans, world pro, Kasai. So he's flip-flopping between gi and no gi. He's, uh, read, he's already qualified, or sorry, excuse me, he's already been invited for ADCC later this year as well. Um, but... Winning Worlds is different, right? You walk into that super stacked heavyweight division and uh, you had guys like Leandro Lowe, Jackson Souza, Patrick Gaudio, all these big names in the division. Kind of goes out there and he does the deed. And man, he looked just phenomenal, right? 
another flawless two year old kid. You know, I believe around there. But there but. was one man missing from that division that may have met Kynan in the semifinal. True, Unfortunately, true. we saw Keenan Cornelius look amazing in the event, but get injured in that. I believe a quarterfinal with Quarter. Leandro Lowe in the absolute or division. No, semi Sem- semifinal. Excuse me. That's right. He took third. Um, man, but whatever. What a match with Nicholas Marigali. Yeah. So Keenan signed up for the absolute. Now I feel that that was something of a bold move, considering everything that's been happening in the last couple of months with him leaving Atos or being asked to leave, and then having to rustle up kind of the training over the last couple of weeks that like he has. And but. It obviously lit a fire under him, right? And he seemed super motivated to go to Worlds and to you know, put on a, an amazing performance. But I feel that would he have walked away this year with a gold medal had he not gone for the absolute, right? Because that heavyweight division, you can look at the list of people in that division and he's beaten every single one of those major names. He's beaten Patrick Gojo. He, excuse me, actually, no, he may have. Not. Oh, okay. No. Gaudio may be the only person he hasn't beat because there was that whole thing at Worlds last year. But he's beaten Jackson Souza. Well, he's but he beaten hasn't Tim beat Leandro Lowe either, either. He has a win over oh, yeah, Leandro yeah. way back. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but he has wins over Kynan. He has wins over Leandro. He has mm-hmm. wins over Jackson Souza. He has wins over Spriggs. He has wins over all the major names in that division. Uh, and you have to think, man, he was one of the, the favorites to take gold in that division. And well, yet, and yet, he went out and he had a freaking war with Nicholas Marigali in the quarterfinal of the Absolute Division that he won, which is freaking incredible. But then, the match against Leandro hurts his ribs. And now he's out. Yeah, yeah I think... He, I was going to say, that match with Nicholas Marigali seemed like such more uh, a, more of a physical toll. Like it would be more of a battle than Leandro's. Leandro's was kind of slow and grindy. And yet, you know, that, that's where the injury occurred. It just goes to show you can't really see everything out there. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's um, Yeah, for whatever reason, you know... Leandro has Keenan's Keenan's number there. Very recently, just hasn't been able to uh, to get past him. So I think I think he probably maybe had a better chance at super heavyweight to be a world champion than, than heavyweight, right? Because he's beaten Muhammad Ali, he's beaten um, uh, just beat Nicholas Marigali, and um, who's beat the other? Gutenberg Pereira, Gutenberg. all those tough guys. Yeah, yep, yep. And um, oh, I know uh, we're really Muhammad. we're in, we're we're in like what if territory here, aren't we? But I gotta say I. You're looking at the way that the bracket played out as well. I feel like Kynan beat Leandro fair and square, right? And he beat him with great technique and poise and, you know, focus that you would expect from this young champion. But Leandro's uh, match with Jackson Souza in the semifinal, wow, what a battle that was, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that was one of my favorite matches of the event, you know, um... Leandro actually got penalized for doing that thing he does where he plays very close to the boundaries to avoid takedowns. Very, very smart strategy, but he got penalized, and that gave Jackson the lead. And I think the last minute of, of action left, so Leandro had to score, and it just forced this crazy scramble. Uh, man, it was so fun. So if you guys haven't seen that match, go back and check it out on flowgrappling.com. You dug it out as well. This is actually the first time Jackson Souza and Leandro ever fought. Crazy. I, I couldn't believe it when I read it, and I, I scoured Vigil to Heroes. I did all my YouTube <laughs> research, and I was like, man, these guys, I don't think they fought each other. How has that happened? Well, Leandro did like... move up late, I mean, recently, True. I guess. So there is a little bit of a size difference there for most of their careers at Black Belt. But, Leandro's um, got like 200 matches or yeah. something, and he never... Never wow. met like never met Jackson, but and, and I thought Jackson's style and it played out that way matched up really well with Leandro. Did you know yeah. um, Leandro likes to pull guard, but he's a little bit you know cagey or slow to engage sometimes. And Jackson's quick, man. Jackson is so fast off off a guard pull, and we saw him score that way actually. So um, really fun matches. So many we could talk about, but I really enjoy almost all of Leandro's matches. You know he didn't get the results he wanted. You know uh, double silver. I guess, but you know, <laughs> you know uh, it, it was a, it was a great performance all around for me as well. Boohoo, indeed. I, I, to be honest, I, I'm pretty sure that Leandro is very upset with that. I mean, the, the silver medal in the absolute division, fair enough. He straight up passed that on to Bouchesha. You know, he declined to 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 meet, but he looked completely out of gas in the match with Kynan, right? Like so I've never all his seen matches. No, no, but he, he, he we say that right? every one of his matches. We say that Leandro always looks like he's dying, but I literally have never seen him in the middle of the mat with his hands on his knees. I don't know, wings. man. You gotta go back and watch. <laughs> I know, I think I he's always giving it all. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's his style, he, man. He comes off and just collapses. Just collapses. I don't know. I I think he's. Uh, I hate to say it, but I I think he's slowing down. You know, Leandro's. Uh, I think he's thirty years of age this year, mm-hmm. and um, you know he's always had that that 
that high-paced uh, game, you know, a high-paced lifestyle from what we hear it as well, you know, and, and it, it could be that it's catching up with him and, you know, up well, against those fresh young 21-year-olds. Everyone so. ages, you know, you can't deny that, but sure. I, I think um, – He's still right there, man. Still I, making world finals. He, he's having some some bad luck with injuries too. You know, he was kind of holding his knee funny. I don't know if anything happened there or not, but I, I feel like the way he plays the game is is just he throws his entire body into it almost more than other people. He's more aggressive and he's more uh, explosive, and he might need to change that as he gets a little older. That might take its toll. He's not twenty one like Kine who can just bounce back from anything. So I don't know. But what else happened? What else happened in Worlds? I know. There's a lot happened, actually. Um, women's divisions proved some of the uh, the most interesting as well. The uh, the women's finals, man, we had a ton of submissions. Uh, one of the ones that uh, that stood out to me um, was uh, Beatrice Mesquita's TP choke. That was, uh, that was solid. That yeah. was freaking awesome. Uh, Andressa Sintra tapping out Louise Montero with a choke from the back. A really didn't expect that one either i believe that this is andressa's i think this yeah, may be we have a clip right here of, oh of we that have one, that clip huh? that one you're talking about here we can play that great so uh louisa obviously we know that she's an incredible competitor she's been right at the at the, at the top of the tree of women's jiu-jitsu one she actually best. made it to our list of of she was in the top five greatest of all time female jiu-jitsu competitors based on accomplishments and um but she went up in weight and i feel that meeting a competitor um bigger heavier younger in Andressa Sintra was maybe the her downfall, huh? It definitely took its toll to wait, I mean, in a 10-minute match. Louise was up early in the match and, and was controlling, but, you know, and I think this was, like you said, the last minute or last two minutes of competition, and, uh, you know, Andressa was able to turn the tide and make the momentum go in her favor. Really impressive uh, performance from her. Yeah, I mean, Louisa was getting after it with those leg attacks and stuff. But yeah, going for toe holds. Yeah, this is definitely her game, but... um. Yeah, incredible. You mentioned Misa as well there. She, there she takes, gets that pass. Louisa Turtles gives up the back. And, man, once you expose your back, right, who knows what can happen from there. I think uh, worth mentioning as well, Anna Carolina Vieira. She got a submission over Laura Halleck in the final. And um, uh, Natiali De Jesus as well. Um, she got a submission in her, uh, in her heavyweight final against Fernanda Mazzelli. So Anna Carolina Vieira and Natiali De Jesus, the two champions from last week at IBJJF Worlds, both just received invitations to ADCC this year. Oh, Sick. big Sick. news. That is good news, right? I think those are going to be great additions to the over 60 kilogram. A lot of those, uh, you know, more IBJJF players, I feel like I've been seeing getting invites. You got Mikey's going to be there. Can't forget mm -hmm. about him. Jamil's going to be there. I saw Mateus Denise. It got an invite as well. He's going to be there. Um, so, man. It'll be fun. It'll be, it'll be absolutely fun. Nacielli, of course, won Nogi <laughs> Worlds as well. So... So forgetting the finals now and the, forgetting the champions because we've talked uh, a lot about them on the, the website as well as to, you know, some of these guys. But standout moments just from the tournament in itself. Any belt color, any division, go. You know who I want to give a shout-out to is uh, Rodrigo Freitas in the lightweight division. He's, mm. a, he's a, I think he's even Masters 2 eligible. He beat the 2019 <laughs> Brazilian national champion, uh, Igor Rodriguez by submission. Wow, that's incredible! This guy is—it's been doing a veteran, been doing it for years. And uh, I remember looking over and be like, "Oh my god!" Because he came back. There was an early flurry from Rodriguez, and I'm like, "Okay, you know that—that's probably how this is going to play out." But he, uh, Freitas, battled back, and got the submission win so, to face Lucas Lepre in the semi. So that you was know, really cool to see. Something interesting about Rodrigo Freitas as well is uh, he doesn't actually have any real credentials in the gi. He's really much more known as a Nogi guy. Huh. You know, he's like placed second at Nogi Worlds, won Nogi Pants a bunch of times. But I don't think he's ever even hit the podium at a major Gi tournament like Euros, Pants, or Worlds. And it um, sounds like this is possibly one of his best tournaments ever. He beat Pika Pau in the opening round. Then, like you said, beat Igor Rodriguez, two young guys who are extremely credentialed, both previous Brazilian national champions. Incredible. So it's good cool huh? to see, actually. It was, it was a fun little wrinkle that I don't think anyone would have predicted besides as himself so mm. well done how about you Reed? oh man there's so many things i want to shout out <clears throat> real quick I, you got to give a shout out we're talking about the new, new generation you got to give it out you got to give a shout out to the guy who's defying the odds lucas lepre who's, oh, who's yeah. still still out there winning world championships still beating back the next generation beating back the young guns year after year um but you know what i think was one of the one of the most special moments of the um tournament there was uh, Jonathan Alves getting his black mm. belt? I'm not, oh, sure if, I'm not yeah. sure if you guys saw that. You guys witnessed that. Um, 
But, Interesting uh, way to promote somebody. But <clears throat> Jonathan won his uh, lightweight division, you know, dominant fashion, if I'm being honest. I watched a lot of his matches, and he... Uh, the Barambola works, <laughs> it turns out, if your name is Jonathan Alves. He did um, it at Pans as well. I think in, in at Pans, I put it together a little highlight. I think in something like five matches, he Barambola and submitted every single person yep, in that yep, division. Yep. So how was his run at Worlds? Yeah, he's looking to Barambolo people and choke people. That's what, <laughs> that's what he does. He's good at that's it. That's what he <laughs> does. So yeah, he dominated his division. Um, you know, he didn't win Worlds last year. Uh, came back, won Worlds this year as a brown belt. Uh, Gee threw the, the, the belt on, onto the mat, if you guys saw on our social media. And, um, you know, it was a, it, that was a big moment, special moment I, that I witnessed, um, one that, that, that stuck with me that, that I, I, I liked a lot. That yeah. was pretty special, i got to say. And um, oh, we you saw know a lot of promotions over the weekend. Sorry, we saw a lot of promotions. But by far, that's the, that's the one that stands out. When Guy Mendes literally throws <laughs> like a three-pointer throw he's like yeah. we're like here's your black belt yeah that's pretty cool and another just because we have a clip of it victor hugo we should play this uh victor hugo mm. hugo clip um we got to give a shout out to victor hugo king of the brown belts right here this guy won the ultra heavyweight division and the absolute division i know this is my third shout out <laughs> and he only asked me for one <laughs> but uh, victor hugo here he is this is the absolute final right here against marcus hibero from alliance um Hell of a war. Yeah, yeah. Uh, battle both. Hibera was both the super heavyweight champion, dudes, right? So both big dudes. He goes for this knee bar that knee, that he's really good at. Switches to the toe hold, gets the tap. Wow. So a submission in the open class final. That's incredible. Victor Hugo. He's definitely one of these new guys coming through in the scene that uh, we expect big big things yeah, from next yeah. year, right? I mean, he won. Like literally, I think he won everything he there won is to everything. win at Brown Bell, right? He won everything. I want to say he did the double grand slam actually. Yeah. So no, he missed out Europeans. Did he? No. Uh, I'm pretty sure one. I'm pretty sure one double gold Europeans, right? Bring it up here, Chase. <laughs> well, yes. I'm Continue, sure. boys. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, give, I'll give a check. Well, my shout. We definitely won double gold at Pans and Brasileiros. Now Worlds and Europeans. I'm calling it. Go ahead, <laughs> Recall it. Recalling it. <laughs> <laughs> my shout out goes to Gabriel Arges, middleweight champion. Uh, that. Last 30 seconds. I thought seconds we were saying non champions. Those guys are calling non champions. Oh, Come okay. On, so I'll switch it up. But I'm going to give him a shout out anyway, quickly. Uh, Sorry, Gabriel. I like you too, Gabriel. <laughs> I, I, I wrote a little article about the Gabriel Arges, uh, the last second win. Um, this so is, this here's is a quick preview. You can watch that tomorrow. But <laughs> This is a clip of um, right here we have of the end right here. Of Gabriel Arges? Oh, perfect. Well, here we go. I'm going to talk about it because. Gabriel Arges, man, he's he's going up against uh, Isaac B uh, Isaac Bayens, who's one of the toughest guys to score on in the game. Full stop, right? The guy's scrappy as hell. He's got good wrestling. He knows these positions inside out. Tons of experience, even being a youngster. And he's the 20, uh, 2018 world champion. Gabriel Arges, of course, 2017 world champion. So he's right there, you know. But Isaac is so difficult to do anything to. And Gabriel is down on advantages, it's 4-4, but he's down in a This is like the last like, 15 the seconds last, right here. Exactly, the last 30 seconds of the match. And they're stuck in this 50-50. And Sean Williams and myself were doing commentary for this match. And we were saying, man, Gabriel needs to work from here. It's like, yeah, but he's stuck in the 50-50. How is he going to get out? Boom. He hits this really nice little slide out the back door, gets this body lock, Puts Isaac down, well, almost puts him down. Doesn't quite stabilize the position. Isaac's so hard to score on. Almost gets it, almost gets it. Almost, boom, advantage goes on the That's board. Advantage. And a second advantage because of this, so much goes on in that sequence. And takes the match in the last 30 seconds in the World Championship final. The roof, literally, I thought it was going to come off. The mm. Gracie Baja guys were right behind me. It sounded like a soccer game in Brazil. They were, <laughs> they were screaming. They were chanting and stuff. They were singing. Incredible moment. One of those amazing, memorable you know, moments that we get only at the World Championship Finals. What a badass day for Hamlo and the boys, huh? Felipe Pena got it gold as well. So Hamlo is very happy. Second World Championship title. Yeah, that was very cool. But by the way, Batista as well. It was hype. Victor Hugo did double gold. Damn! Oh, there told you, you go. You Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, uh, it was a hype atmosphere at Worlds. Huh? You know, was, it right? always is, and and it always just adds that extra little bit. You know, I remember I, was, I had a little clip of uh, Muhammad too, right? Where he's like, "Worlds is the real deal," you know, and I think that's such a good, good, uh, really sums things up. Because like, you know, I, it, there's some big matches elsewhere, but man, 
at Worlds, Worlds is is there's the next level. That's it a fun, is. And fun atmosphere. <laughs> a lot of people just you know think they, they they realize that there's a lot of songs and a lot of chants going on in the arena and stuff, and and it's kind of cool, right? Because each team takes like a section of the bleachers. Mm. So you have all the checkmark guys in the one position, all the Atos guys in the middle, all the Alliance guys on the other side, and uh, al always they're in the same spots in the arena. Yeah. And just behind me, over my right shoulder, were the GF team guys who, it should be noted, are the biggest shit talkers <laughs> in the entire game. Those guys are ruthless mm. with their chants because a lot of the time it's like, you know, kind of team pride and stuff. You know, a lot of the chants that they say are like, you know, just like, hey, 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 Gracie Baja, or, you know, I am Alliance, I am Alliance. It's like that kind of thing. They have like endless, just like, Diss tracks. It's like, awesome. <laughs> nice. And, and they have like specific ones about, about specific people. So, you know, in the middle, or just after the match with, uh, with um, Isaac and Gabriel Arges, uh, Isaac's walking around and he's on the other side of the gymnasium while the next final is going on. And yeah. GF team are like, okay, perfect. We're just going to sing a ton of songs about how Isaac lost in the final and he's a crybaby and he's going home without the gold medal and blah, blah, blah. And he's a traitor and all this stuff. And while Isaac's on the other side of the arena, basically taunting them, telling them to bring it on, and like doing all this sign language, like, well, I tapped out your boy in the semifinals, so boo-hoo, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's just absolutely, it's the kind of stuff that you don't see in the, in the you know, but you've got to be They're chanting about Ma Marigali, too. I, I remember they're, they're oh, chanting yeah. about Marigali. Yeah, they don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody seems to really like Nicholas Marigali, which for me, I don't get. I don't get the hate at all, because I make a point of never missing the Nicholas Marigali match. Why? Nobody because does. They're Everybody watches awesome. the Nicholas Marigali match. Right? Everybody. They, they, they just, they, they, like, you, like you love to say, must see TV. It's like you <laughs> do not miss it, right? Because he usually goes out and he just tears through people and you get that whole psych up thing going on. But, man, what is it with people? Why, why do you think that the jiu-jitsu entire fan base think he's a dick? I don't know about entire, but I think there's a, there's a fair pretty amount. pretty overwhelming. I don't know. I don't know. But um, maybe because he's beaten all their boys. I mean, Marigali is a monster. He is very tough to, to get a win against, and I'm sure that doesn't feel good. I feel like it's, it's got to be because he's the way he talks and the way he, the way he um, you know, the, the intensity that he, that he brings and, and how he kind of seems to proclaim himself. The, the best sometimes I've seen after the matches, right? He's, he can be he can get vocal, so it, it seems like a lot of the guys don't don't like that part of things. Actually, I, I was talking to my parents about this because they're in the stands too. They, uh, I grew up in Orange County area, and they always come to the big events, and they're also confused about the chanting and like, the, the <laughs> politics. What's going on? Yeah. But they, they keep up with the news he put out and read the Marigold piece about how he's he's loved and hated equal measure and all that stuff. And uh, I, I was thinking about it, and I think some of it is that he's not just talking about his jujitsu. Sometimes he's saying like, "I'm better than guys." Like he comes off maybe saying, "I'm better than than them as a person." <laughs> like, like, I'm like king of the people. Yeah, like, uh, everybody. I, I am superior in all ways. So yeah. I mean, that would probably make me angry if he was talking about me, which he is, but not directly because I'm not a black belt. <laughs> I mean, there's a really fair comment that just came in on our live chat, Victor Doria. Hey, what's up, Victor? Uh, and you know, he said it's just hate. You know, he's a stud. He's doing great. And, and honestly, people don't like success, you know. Mm. And Nicholas now is a two-time world champion. Two-time. And yeah. most people are never going to become a world champion. And he made it so kind of easy, I feel like. He does that, right? You know? He did. The final with Muhammad, man, that was a tough one for me to watch, actually, because Muhammad is a phenomenal athlete. And he's a great guy. He's mm. like the people's champion. People love Muhammad Ali. He's like one of the the undisputed universally loved guys in this business and um man marigali trashed him right i think it's fair to say evil, muhammad evil didn't, won that yeah. time evil overcame good but i mean it was one-sided right really mm. one-sided he beat him bad and and that was it was it was tough because you know obviously the, the world championship finals you don't get there by accident muhammad put in a string of really good performances to get there and then for that to happen, that must sting, huh? It must really sting. Yeah, that's rough for sure. Nobody likes losing. That's that's what makes winning so great, right? Is because losing is is the worst. But you know, <laughs> you know, having a little bit of controversy goes such a long way into creating a, a lasting legacy. People are gonna talk about his matches, wins and losses yeah. for forever already. And uh, I feel like it's only growing, right? Yeah. He's still super young. He's got maybe a decade left at the highest level if he really wants to. So I can't wait to see what he does with it. You know. Um, 
Let me ask you guys something. Mm. Mirigali this year, did he look a little um, less fired up than usual? I thought he in the Keenan match that was like Super Saiyan Marigal. He was going wild, and I was like, "Okay, this guy's." We actually have yeah, we have yeah. this clip right of, in the very beginning of of Keenan versus Marigal, where and Marigal went at Keenan. In, in, the at, first right. two minutes were just yeah. insane. The whole stadium collected on this like, look, one he, corner. He almost passes his guard and takes his back. He right was here. really, really close to getting his back. Yeah, I, he just he just about managed to get out of the lapel at this point here, right? And because Keenan was looking for that lapel immediately, but. He, he, he was right on the back, and he just could not quite get those hooks in. Incredible performance by Keenan, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I was amazed. And, man, what a, what a commitment to the strategy. You know, Keenan knew exactly what he wanted to do to win, how he had to win, but he had to yep. survive some shit. You know, yeah, that, that yeah. was pretty impressive. I love the way that Keenan said he basically had to fight his evil twin in this match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It really is, right? And, man, Keenan... It, let's put this in perspective. He's had over 200 black belt matches since 2014. He's only ever been submitted twice in his career. Both of those times in no gi and both of those times by Gordon Wright. Mm. Yeah, that is crazy. So yeah. you, you look at that and, you, and yeah, okay, he's in trouble right now and, and Merigali's going after him. But then Keenan has never been submitted in a gi match. But hey, so, they raised Keenan's arm after the end of this match. So Exactly. He get that he got that all important sweep using <coughs> that the was, forces. That lapel. was something that, that he um talked about a little bit in the interview I did right after with him, you know, and and um he said that, you know, obviously going into the absolute division, everybody thinks that it's Bouchesha, it's Leandro, it's Felipe Pena, it's um, you know, Marigali. And and his name didn't get thrown around quite as much in there and I mean, he he proved that and this is this is what you're ta- talking about. The here, Chase. Joke. Oh, look at that! That was slick. Yeah, he's so but we definitely guys. have to start talking about uh, Keenan. You know, in that um, in that role. You know, in the in, you know, there's not many guys who are who are beating the guys that Keenan is beating. You know, and yeah. there's and there's not many guys who can beat Keenan. Really, I mean, like the way he submitted uh, Arnaldo Maidana earlier there. Super um, easy. You know, Keenan Keenan's definitely. One of the best, and it, it, unfor- that's why it's so unfortunate that he w- wasn't able to compete in his weight class. Absolutely, because you're right. I mean, you you know who knows? We'll never know. But he, he you know, he definitely had a good. He could have done it. He definitely had a good shot. Yeah, such a shame, man. But you know, hey, I'm sure Keenan will be back no time soon. He's uh, in, in no time. He's um, he seems to have rediscovered his passion for jujitsu. Right, I think he's um, he's all about it again. Um, let's hope we see that rematch as well. But uh, moving on. I think one other guy that I really want to highlight as well. So we saw something unprecedented at Worlds this year. We saw a f- the first ever four-way closeout mm. in a division. The light featherweight division, gold, silver, and both bronze medals went to the Cicero Costa team. João, Paulo, Thiago George, and Thiago Barros. Okay? Four guys from the same team meeting in the semifinals and just shutting it out and via gentleman's agreement deciding how the podium looked. Joao with gold, Paulo with silver, Thiago and Thiago taking bronze each. But looking at the performances, I love seeing Joao on top of the podium, but I have to say if any of them earned it, man, I think it was Thiago Barros because he had two of the best light featherweight matches I've ever seen. And I'll be honest, those light featherweight matches sometimes can be tough to watch, mm. right? We all know that. It's one of those things that the smaller men in jiu-jitsu, they're so flexible, they're so technical, they are often just... Mostly devolved. awesome, though, small guys. <laughs> Spoken like a true light featherweight. Mm. They, they engage in these incredibly intricate, detailed uh, battles of leg fighting and grips that sometimes you don't actually see that much jiu-jitsu. Really, you don't see that much happen. You see like high scores, like 6-4, because they just totter back and forth in 50-50. Okay, you want to watch two straight-up wars. You watch Thiago Barros versus Gabriel Souza, and then up against Alex uh, Sodre. Mm. Wow. Wow. Two of the best light featherweight matches I've ever seen. And really important to note as well, Thiago Barros is Masters eligible. He's way over 30. He's an older dude. And both those guys are in their early 20s. I think Gabriel Sosa is 21. Alex Sartre is probably around about the same age. Phenomenal, right? 
I need to see those matches. I was shooting uh, on the other side of the arena. I had no idea what even happened there. So that sounds super interesting to me as, as a matches competitor. Yeah, the, the Saldre match was, was sick. I saw that one. Um, yeah, it's like you were talking about the Jackson-Leandro match. Mm. I, I completely missed that one. You know, there's some matches that there's just so much going on sometimes you just completely miss them. <laughs> wow, but, that's the best thing about having the archives. You can go back and you can watch them all. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And there's a ton of jujitsu check uh check out. There really was. Um, you know who else was impressive there? I just want to shout out yeah. that Connor DeAngelis, man. I, I got to look, but like, the, how many times has, it, has an American won double gold at purple belt and blue belt? Not too many times, probably. Um, I mean, and, uh, and now he's a brown belt. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm in the process Ooh. of a little project right here. I was oh. talking to Hal about this. Uh, it's not out yet, but I'm working on a piece tracking four years of world champions of all belt levels. The, the theory being that these guys are actually being promoted as quickly as possible. So you have uh, blue to purple, purple to brown, and brown to black, maybe a little extra time for juveniles. Seeing who made it up the ranks so far. And so far I've only got Robin Boland done. Uh, I just started the project and he took blue belt featherweight or light feather gold. I think light feather. Uh, yeah, blue belt light feather gold. And he didn't even place for two years. He, then he took third uh, as a juvenile. And now it took gold. So these guys are kind of tracking as they go through their careers and that they start very early usually. So I'll get back to you on that question, but I, <laughs> I'm sure there are some repeat uh, athletes in that list. Yeah. Uh, uh, Edwin Najmi took double gold at Purple Belt one year as a lightweight. Yeah, That's I pretty cool. As, mean, as an American. I didn't but, mean double gold. Yeah, but gold, but there aren't, there aren't that many, really, who you can say um, have done that. Uh, or maybe <laughs> he didn't take double. Maybe he only took absolute gold, but still. Uh, it is it is a good one, Conor DeAngelis. You guys, um, he 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 really stood out as well. Obviously, not just for his performance, but you guys did that phenomenal interview with him in San Diego just before Worlds, right? The van life. Uh, yeah, van talk about life. committing. You know, uh, it makes his story even crazier because he didn't even really get to compete this year. He had some injuries. He's moving around, and then he moved into a van to make sure he can pursue his dreams and make it feasible. And man, it paid off in a big way. Gotta say that van looked pretty sweet. <laughs> <It's> pretty <laughs> he awesome. had that. He had that big van. I can't remember. It was like a Ram something or other, and he just parks it up outside the gym and sleeps in the van goes train jujitsu and then goes back to sleep in the van for a bit <laughs> and chase ball jujitsu of, of jujitsu <laughs> that's a big dude in a van by the way like that's not a small person yeah, so. yeah. he bought a big van it's though, a big right? guy <laughs> it's true disappointing results uh there were a few upsets and there upsets some. there were a few well one that's not even an upset really is uh lucas or i'm sorry levi jones leary um <sighs> D double DQ. I was upset. That was that upsetting was to a me. Huge uh, one. I, I put a lot of stock in him in my preview, so I felt foolish afterwards because <laughs> it didn't pan out that way. But no, man, I'm I would have sure. loved to see seen him go further and and his uh, world sure campaign. He's disappointed as well. Um, yeah, that devastated. Was, I think is the word. Yeah, that was that. That was you know a goal. That I think we all knew that that he had for for a long time. I'm sure it's still the goal, right? Doesn't nothing change changes probably. It just doesn't happen th this year. But What yeah. do you guys think about competitors doing that? You know, getting those three penalty points based off of just a double a double guard pull. I feel it's a crazy strategy. Like maybe go for two. You see what happens, but I'm not getting three because then any trouble. any penalty for any other uh, infraction will DQ you. Yeah, so. you're asking for trouble. But yeah, definitely um I think a uh, a, a huge strategic error. Um but Hey, you learn through. But he's not alone. Right, so, so why do people do it? That's my. That's the question that boggles my mind. Is like, true. I see it. You see it all the time where people will go. All right, there's three penalties. Let's try it again. You know, like, <laughs> I, I don't understand. I just It'll don't work get it. this time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't understand either. There were a few real disappointing moments actually. From uh, I, I, and when I say disappointing, I mean disappointing as in like there were some shocks and there were some upsets. And uh, when I speak about upsets, I think I mean things like, for example. Um, Lucas Hopp not even making the podium. Mm. That is a, a huge upset. Um, in the heavyweight division, Hudson, Vinicius, Hudson lost. Hudson too. didn't he, make he, the podium either. Somebody I was surprised. Uh, that, I, I, feel I feel foolish as well because I called that division, the medium heavyweight division, I called it a four way race between mm. Flippy Pena, Gustavo Batista, Hulk, and Hudson. And only two of those made the podium. Fair enough, they made it to the final. The final but yeah. Still, yeah. the other two, they're nowhere to be seen. Vinicius Ferreira being disqualified for a headbutt on Leandro Lowe. A blatant headbutt, by the way. It was hard to see from where we were sitting. I was like, oh, my God, what just happened? But then you pulled the video, and the match is like almost ended. Or, I mean, they've been stopped almost, and he's dug Straight in there with his head. Up. Boom, stuck the nut on him, as we like well, to say Well, just to play devil's <laughs> I'm sorry, what, what's the phrase in the UK? Stuck the nut on him. Oh, man, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if that's catching on globally, UK folks. But, um, 
<laughs> that is, yeah, that was so so strange. And man, what what a tense moment too that was. Uh, Leandro came over and was kind of ga- uh, talking to Mar- Marcelo, and you know Marcelo's so chill, right? He's just mm. sitting there, and uh, Leandro's like something Leandro follow. Was he was just saying, yeah. "We'll talk, we'll talk." I believe, but he was he was fired up. Like I saw him yeah. even walking off later as well, and he kind of got into it a little bit with Fabio Gugel and those guys, the Alliance crew. You have to walk past them on the way out to the arena and stuff. So. Uh, yeah, Fabio Gugel was livid. I saw he was so mad about that. But, yeah, I mean, it was kind of hard to defend. Like, it was a straight-up headbutt on the side of the mat. So. Why would you do it? I just, like, you're right <laughs> there. I wonder if something happened in a match of pans that we didn't see. Mm. Because they went they went at it in the heavyweight division, I believe. Either heavyweight or absolute. They did and went to decision. Yeah, it was, there was yeah. something. Maybe something happened. Maybe match. some words were said. I don't either. Because it wasn't very eventful. It was a referee decision. Mm. So maybe something was said. Maybe something happened. There was some resentment from Fajera. Gotcha. That Gordon, makes sense. But, I mean, plausible. But... but if you're gonna do something, why don't you just beat the guy with jujitsu? You're not gonna stick the nut on him in the middle of the match, right? So, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> definitely don't want to do that. Disappointing, Jamil Hill. Jamil Hill, nowhere Man. to be seen. Joao, huh? Both those guys. Joao, Gabriel Hosha, and Jamil both taken out of worlds in just the most disappointing circumstances ever. What happened? Man, appendicitis happened. Some bullshit, you know. Uh, worst timing ever. Uh, what can you say? You know, I feel I feel terrible for Jamil. You know, he was just dying over there in the sidelines, wishing he could be out there all that time. He already finished the camp. You know, it's over. He's just ready to go, and uh, doesn't get to compete. Joel Gabriel makes it out to Long Beach, and the night before he's supposed to go, gets food poisoning. What are the odds of that? You that know? is bad news, man. Apparently, uh, I got a text like early on Saturday morning, and uh, and they told me that Joao was out, that he'd been basically, you know, puking up all night, and that he was in no fit state. And I I'd seen him at like two thirty on Friday afternoon, and I was like, Hey, what's up, Joao? And he's like, Man, I can't wait. Oh, just God, on my way terrible, to sign, just so on my sad. way to sign up for the Absolute Division now. He was in such good spirits, Dang. and then I don't know, maybe he went. To that dodgy Long Beach fish restaurant that we kept driving past. The I, don't, I don't know, sketchy, man. But, but I hope not. <laughs> whatever it was, they didn't agree with him. <laughs> but the Jamil thing as well was heartbreaking because that guy, obviously coming back to defend his world title, hoping to become the first, um, the first featherweight American to do, you know, two gold medals. And uh, after, of course, that that really contentious loss at, uh, at Pans in the final. To That's the Gabriel, match. Right? That's the match. Got to see that mm. match again. That rematch. Mateus, we do. Mateus versus. Jamil, gotta really see that do. one. Yeah, we gotta see them roll that back, and and then for Jamil to get appendicitis just a week out from the tournament. So as rough. Well. So rough. And he was there. Like I gotta give it up yep. to him, man. He was there to support his teammates. But uh, first day or so, man, he was walking around, and every time he was standing up and sitting down, he was kind of like, oh, you know, yeah. I, he just had surgery, yeah, and he yeah. was like a couple of days later flew to California. It's incredible. So, but very very heartbreaking, man. I was really upset to see that. So. Wild tournament. Wild, 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 indeed. Wild tournament. There was some really uh, big news in the brown belts as well because a lot of those brown belts uh, that we love watching not going to be brown belts anymore. A ton of promotions. Yep. Uh, just really the best up, parts uh, about yeah. Worlds, right? A couple of the brown belt uh, promotions to black belts. Uh, uh, I say a couple. They were an absolute ton. Talison Suarez, Jonas Andrade. Uh, Diego Batista, all three. All the Cicero Costa. killers. Yeah, 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 all those. They, they're gonna really shake things up. I think Rooster. Italo got his as well. Another Italo Cicero. Did, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's a. Uh, uh, and Wilson, uh, Mariah got his as well. That's right, Wilson. Now this is interesting because Wilson Moreira competes at super heavyweight. If you've ever met Wilson, he's, he's nowhere not super near heavyweight. super heavyweight. He's like the Luna brothers from Checkmat. You know, the one of them competes in middleweight and the mm. other who's actually his twin and is about 165 pounds. He's getting pretty big. I don't know if he's that big. He's not ultra heavy. He might, he no, might be about 180, but he's not Victor yeah, Hugo. Yeah, he's not yeah. Victor Hugo. <laughs> he's not Victor Hugo. But I'm not size. sure if he's 160 anymore. <laughs> Maybe not. But he's certainly not like 250 like some of those dudes. But um, uh, but going back, the, 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 the promotions. As you mentioned, uh, Wilson, you know, he's he should be going back down to like his natural weight class, which is actually lightweight. Mm. So we should him uh, should see him at lightweight. Um, Jonathan Alves, you mentioned uh, Israel Souza from GF Team, the featherweight champion at brown belt. He's been promoted. Jonathan Gracie, the middleweight champion from Atos, he's been promoted. Ronaldo Junior, the medium heavyweight champion, also Atos, been promoted. Uh, Victor Hugo, maybe next year. 
Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Well, you hope he's going to get it, man. I'm, 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 I'm pulling for him. Solo, if you see me. Word on, the street, word on the street is that we should get some news about that very, very soon. And to be honest, I think it would be hot. It would be tough to justify keeping him at Brown Belt. I mean, what else can go, he right? do? He literally what can't do anything else. else he's won everything. Yeah. Um, in the black, in the, sorry, in the Brown Belt women as well, um, Gabrielle Pisano as well. She took gold in her weight class. Actually lost in the final of the absolute, but uh, again, she's another one that's been promoted to. Uh, to that black that was a pretty well, um so. pretty good um, matchup there over With the Yara weekend. Suarez? Here in Yara. They split yeah. wins. Yeah, split, yeah. I was I'm a little sad they she's getting promoted matches. almost because the rivalry matches. was just born. You know what I mean? Like they just she just started getting some stiff competition. I feel like Gabby ran through everyone all year long. Yeah, and Yara gets promoted mid season. Pretty rare actually. She, so she did pans at purple. Right? She did. She she won right. double gold at, at Europeans Euros. and pans. Wow. And then was promoted sometime after that. I don't know. I don't remember about World Pro. But then we, I didn't see any Brazilian national results, so I think she might have missed that. But then, yeah, debuts at Black Belt, or sorry, Brown Belt at Worlds and gets gold and silver. Pretty amazing performance That is from incredible. Her. That is really impressive. We actually have a full article on Flow Grappling with the, uh, the various people who were promoted over the weekend uh, from blue to purple, purple to brown, brown to black. And I think it's really, really interesting. I'm excited to see how some of these new black belts do next year because what well, we saw this year what the first year black belts can mm. do with Kainan, Matthias Gabriel, Maisa Bastos and I'm absolutely certain that some of these new guys as well the fresh blood coming yeah. should shake things you up. You know some of the best content I think we got or uh, that I think I got at um, Road to Worlds was some of this um, stuff with uh, Guy Mendez and him talking about these next generation of black belts these next generation of, of blue belts and purple belts these guys who are going to um, you know who who have started when they were mm. super young, six years old, and and stuff like that, and and that's exactly the stuff you talked about. You know, it, every year it's going to get harder and harder to win black belt worlds, and um, I love it. You know what was <laughs> weird, and I, I, maybe it was just me, but I thought the blue belt adults looked better than ever. This oh, year. I totally agree. Man. I don't know why. I, totally I, I don't agree. know what would change about that, but yeah. they were also extremely high level, and then, like I, you could even tell if they were. Purple they belt, looked, brown belt. They look freaking scary. Yeah, <laughs> they looked really scary. Those brown belt, those blue belts were incredible. I don't know what it was because, like, I feel like I always pay attention, especially like when I was a blue belt. Mm-hmm. I pay attention to blue belts and stuff. And but you're totally right. Like this year, all of a sudden, I was like, "This is different." Because like, the, ju- the different. juveniles are always amazing, right? Because yeah, yeah. they've juveniles been trained since they're five, yeah, and they're just waiting. Are that, that next level. They're just waiting to get that become seventeen and get a purple belt. But the adult blue belts now have made a made a statement to me where it's like, okay. There's a there's been a game changer there a level change and uh man, just more killers on the mats I guess yeah like like the, oh oh the Alliance I just, guys. sorry I just remembered something absolutely hilarious uh, about the blue belts sorry Rita I have to interrupt because I'm just looking blue belt hilarity the, <laughs> this is hilarity about the blue belt so um the blue belt open class um you have basically three Brazilians and a Russian on the podium for the the the, mm. the absolute division and <laughs> all of the blue belts. <laughs> <laughs> All of the blue belts, except this one Russian dude, got promoted to purple belt on the podium. And it's like, the gold medal guy, Rui Neto, he gets his purple belt. And then Anderson Diaz, the GF team, he gets his purple belt. And then Rafael Silvera gets his purple belt. And there's just this giant ultra heavyweight Russian dude on the side, smiling, kind of like, Oh well, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe next some other year. time. Yeah, <laughs> I assume yeah, his coach Price didn't make it out there. Yeah. He, he would think yeah, Russian, yeah. but um, yeah, that Rui Alves man, he was <laughs> sick. That Stefan Banta is gonna be is gonna be sick in the purple. So he actually beat the absolute champion in the weight division, right? Yeah, he beat he beat Rui Alves there in the weight division. The way the weight the way the absolute pra- played out was Stefan lost his first match. I think to maybe like the lightweight or the middle middleweight he champion. He did. He lost to uh, the he lost to Rafael Silvera, who uh, took bronze in the absolute. Who was a uh, a lightweight champion. Mm. I believe he's from Calasanz's gym. He's an mm. Atos guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. But he, he that really Alves man, like he was playing. Um, worm guard, reverse De La Worm, like his his worm guard stuff was like next point. Level. It was it was like super smooth, and he hit. I literally I filmed like four or five of his matches. He hit everybody with this same worm guard sweep. Wow. And it was slick. And uh, you mentioned there about the alliance, uh, the the project. He's one of those guys. Yeah, right? yeah. He's the, one of the Dreamart guys, and I definitely paid attention to all those Dreamart guys. Um, and those guys are very good. Absolutely. They, Full, they full-time took, athletes, right? So Yeah, they took the team trophy. And um, I actually uh, – yeah, I was chatting to Isaac 
uh, I think it was um, I think it was on Friday Thursday or Friday it was, I was hanging around by the podium and um, man they, they brought a huge squad this year Alliance were determined to win back the team trophy from Atos after two years of uh, coming in second place and they did that and yeah. the majority of people understand that the, the, the team trophy is won and lost really in the colored belts mm. because the black belts you know you get so much but when you pick up all those points in like the blue belt and the blue belt absolute and the purple belt and so on and so on so alliance have been working on this talent development squad called the dream art project which is a kind of headed up by isaac um I mean, he's like the kind of the driving force he's really like the the team captain shall we say but the uh, i met the i met the actual the the sort of the backer of this project and he's a black belt from alliance team and we were chatting away a little bit there and uh I just said, man, I can't believe that the, the infrastructure and the you know the the amount of kind of investment that you've put into this project, because these kids, they're training jujitsu full time. They are they have accommodation provided. They have their food cooked for them each day. They have English classes. They get taken to one of the local the major soccer teams in Sao Paulo, and they go see the team doctors. So they're going through all these physiotherapy, uh, physio physical therapy tests, and they're getting MRIs for injuries and stuff. And um, and now they've just announced they're going to start paying for these kids to go to college. Wow, that's amazing. College, not finish high school, but they're straight up going to help them get careers to kind of run you know either alongside or providing some kind of um opportunity once their athletic career is done i think that's incredible i mean man it can't get incredible better than that to me yeah because you look at two guys in particular right from the weekend tammy and mikey mm. and they're the perfect examples of of athletes who have made sure not to neglect their studies mm. right it's true so Tammy is just finishing up. She's got one more year left, I believe, in law school. Mikey just graduated this year in business, and he's looking at doing law and, uh, and after this as well. So two very intelligent, very academic uh, people who have managed to prove that you can still operate at the highest levels as an athlete as well. And you have to think that with that, you know, they can go on and do whatever they want after they finish competing, right? Whenever that may be. Hopefully not for a while, though. I want to see Mikey out there for a few more. Mikey's it is got a lot, a lot of history to make. It is important, though, right? I think if you look at some of these guys, um, there's been a little bit of a criticism about some of the teenagers who have maybe just decided to go all in on jujitsu at such, such an early age and just completely, you know, like let the opportunity of school and college and stuff pass by, and they've just gone, you know what? Not for me. I'm just going to do jujitsu full time at mm. 17 years of age. And really, are the opportunities there to support that right now? You gotta follow the dream, man. It's a deep conversation we're yeah, having, we're about yeah. to have. Um, <laughs> which level of education is appropriate? Um, <laughs> I don't know. T to me, you can't criticize people that just go for it. But at the same time, I'm extremely happy that that teams are starting to facilitate other options as well. You know, because uh, that's not easy. I mean, running a jiu-jitsu school and academy and being competitive is the number one focus, and is very difficult to achieve on its own. So building an entire life outside of jiu-jitsu for competitors and a team has got to be a challenge that even I can't fathom. So Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to do that just for me, and it's hard enough. So <laughs> They're not the only team, right? Because, of course, Atos, uh, you know, especially the AOJ squad. I mean, mm -hmm. you've, you've, you've been there. You've seen it. We've Those seen guys, it for, they're doing their own hand. talent development, it, right? And we've seen firsthand how successful it's been, too. Mm. Yeah. And they're setting those kids up, not for, you know, to become champions at Blue, Purple, Brown. The, the whole goal is to make them Black Belt World Champions for many years to come, right? The one thing I love about the the Dream and Achieve program that I've seen at AOJ is Believe and Achieve. Believe and Achieve, excuse me, is um, the way they they are already teaching them how to become professors in jujitsu. They they have uh, their star athletes running classes or showing techniques at least. They have them not on even, the website, and not even just like the star athletes, right? It's, true. it's like they have like from like orange belts and yellow belts, like teaching seminars, right? We, yeah, we it's, it's amazing. And uh, they're good, too. I remember I, I learned a, a, like a spider guard suite from an uh, orange belt. And <laughs> I was like, wow, that's really cool. You know, I'm going to try that. That little detail with the foot. And um, wow. it just it, that's preparing them for a professional career in teaching jiu-jitsu, which is so important because that's pretty much the, the main route these guys will go after their competitive career is over. So I really like to see more and more of these programs uh, popping up everywhere. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, I remember Kyo talking about you know he's like I, i'm not just preparing everybody in the class to be a, a world champion i'm preparing everybody in the class to be a champion at life you know he was mm. the, the you know hudson uh, mikey you know these are good people you know there's more than just becoming a world champion it's about becoming a 
uh, as good a person as you can be as a whole, not just a, as, on the mats, right? Nice. So from the guys that we've seen this year at Worlds, who are you excited to see come back next year and do big things at Worlds? Next year? Yeah. I know it's a long way away. <laughs> I know we got a lot to do in the meantime, but... Next year, huh? I'm looking for Marigali to come back. Yeah? Always excited to watch what he does. You think he can do the double next year? Yeah, he's definitely capable, I think. He said that was his goal, right? You know, absolutely. Um, That's why I think he was a little bit less than fired up in the in the, in the the weight division final because... Only just got a submission win. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, but I agree. I know, I but know. I agree. But that's, right? that's when he's kind of like... Because he got double gold at uh, yeah. Brasileiro, right? He did. And, and he was, and he was so focused on double gold at Worlds. I almost feel like he walked away with just one gold medal. It was like, not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh. Average day at the office. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Reed? Um, what was the question? Who what are you I'm looking, looking for for next year? Yeah. For next year? Anything that stands out. Stands out. Um, <clears throat> I guess Keenan. You know, Keenan, uh, you, you got close this, this time around. It, it felt like it was maybe... Um, the right time wasn't so maybe maybe next year. Um, I think he's going to bring a squad as well. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. He could he could have a whole new team. You know, I think that the the next few months will be very interesting to see where what Keenan does, where Keenan lands. Um, you know, if he does follow through with you know starting his own school or something like that. I'm I'm not sure what's in the plans. Um, but the next you know six six months to a year could be um. Very interesting for for Keenan. So I think that's that's something I'll be I'll be definitely paying attention to. I'm really looking forward to seeing the Muniz brothers next yeah. year. Mm. So Eric and Anderson. Uh, there's actually three. There's Alex as well, but Alex is uh, right now he's a brown belt. But Eric and Anderson, uh, they closed out the purple belt absolute. Um, I believe that uh, Eric was the super heavyweight champion. Sorry, no. Eric was the heavyweight champion. Anderson was the super heavyweight champion, and then they closed out in the absolute division. And um, these guys uh, just joined Alliance literally a couple of weeks ago. Uh, moved their entire family to Sao Paulo. Uh, you've got Alex Munoz as well competes in the Brown Division. Uh, and these guys, they stand out, right? Because they're freaking huge. Right? Those guys, they look like like basketball players. They're super and tall. E- and Eric, another guy who double golded at Euros, double golded at Pans. Not 100% sure if did he double gold at Brasileiros, anybody know? I want to say they closed. The two brothers closed out. Yeah, Brasileiros um, yeah, yeah. too. So I think he may be the only person to do the double grand slam this year. So and then they close out at at, at Worlds. Yeah, those guys are going to be a wrecking crew at Brown Belt and then into Black Belt. Right. Yeah. So that's that's why I'm looking forward to seeing them because, um, man, yeah, Eric did. He did the double grand slam this year. So I think he was the only person to do so. Pans. I mean, uh, at um, Euros, Pans, Brasileiros, Worlds phenomenal uh so yeah that's those that's guys, that, yeah. that's why because i've been following them for a little while and those guys are right on the cusp of something special so yeah. imagine what it's going to be like when they hit black belts imagine how different hopefully the landscape, it won't be won't be too long right well i don't think so yeah. maybe two years but imagine how different the landscape will be when they get there as well there's no there's no way of knowing like can you imagine if any of the guys who are currently active now now could retire by then. We saw three major names sure, retire sure. last weekend. Absolutely. What if Leandro decides to leave his mat in the belt in the middle of the mat? Man, well, <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. That'd be, <laughs> that, that'd be the craziest thing. With yeah. right? I was like, what's going to happen at the end of this thing with Bushesha? I was like, is he is he still going? But I guess it looks like he's still going. So. He's still going. He's got the Grand Prix later, at least, on, on, the, on the books. So. And ADCC. So, yeah. yeah. ADCC, yeah. So, yeah. So, actually, that's a, yeah, it's a, it's a good, re- good reminder, actually, that there is no off-season right like literally there is no off season whatsoever if you thought the worlds was the end of the year think again because we've got a bunch of events between now and adcc everybody's focused on adcc in september but we've got what have we got we've got uh, a ton of fight to win events pretty much every single weekend this weekend we got a good one coming up we got gabby garcia uh versus hillary van ornum uh, we've got Fionn Davis versus uh, Katrina Perrette. And we've got uh, Claudia Duval again and Tamara Silva. So loaded with some of the biggest female jiu-jitsu names out there. That's pretty wow. cool. Great card. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we've got the uh, the Grand Slam in Moscow is coming up soon. Uh, you're off to Russia, Chase. I'm off to Russia, yes. On on Thursday next week, looking forward to the Grand Slam and King of Mats going down that same weekend there. Heavyweight King of Mats, huh? Yeah, wow. absolutely. So um, still getting my bearings on what I'm exactly supposed to do when I land in, in Moscow. I feel like it's, it feels so different. You know, I've been everywhere in the world, it seems like, but Russia has, it 
has a little bit of an intimidation factor I'm not used to. So yeah. looking forward to checking that out. Oh um, man, I think it's going to be fun though. The uh, the the heavyweight Grand Prix looks so, or the heavyweight King of Mats we should call it uh, looks really interesting as well, right? You got some big names in that. You got uh, we, we've seen Jackson Souza, but Kain and Duarte's in it. Man, wow. do you think Kain could are just turning around? Dude. Yeah, you think he could just pick up another big win? I mean, it's hard to bet against. Right? I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. He could. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you forget that also in there, he won the Kasai Nogi yeah. World Grand Prix, just like mixed in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> like a week before he went to Abu Dhabi yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we got third coast grappling coming up at the end of this month. Don't forget that uh, with Keenan and his very unfortunate rib injury, uh, he's out of the main event with Merigali. Mm. That was obviously a huge match that we were looking forward to. But Clash Generations amazing replacement they got cyborg to step up i love this match actually man. let's it, go it's a great match let's go <laughs> cyborg is tough as they come man cyborg huge, brings it you know he brings it every yeah. time and uh have you seen the rest of the card for third coast grappling it's absolutely huge craig jones versus Mateus denise awesome edwin najmi versus gianni grippo wagner hocha versus uh ethan krellinston uh gabriel arges versus kit dale and uh, Michael Perez versus Jackson Souza, Lucas Valente, silver medalist last mm-hmm. week there at Worlds at lightweight versus silver medalist featherweight Marcio Andre, and just a ton more amazing matches all the way down to the bottom. That card you can't miss. Third coast stacked. Man. That card is straight stacked. Coming up That's very soon. Sick. And then we, of course we've got uh, next month Kusai Kusai Super Series, and we're going to go back to Nogi. We've got Dante Leon versus Hanato Canuto. Wagner's got Celsinho in a match as well going to be a lot of fun a uh, bunch of really high profile matches on that uh we've got jits king in tampa which is a brand new event coming onto the florida scene and then in august we've got kasai pro six masters worlds heavyweight grand prix and in september adcc let me just give a quick non-stop. let me just give a quick pitch because tomorrow i mean uh next week Wednesday next week, June twelfth, we're gonna be also be premiering a flow film that we've been working on hard back here for uh, a few months now. I went down to Hawaii for Fight to Win One Hundred with Seth Daniels and the team No Sleep crew. Had an amazing time. Yeah, out, I was gonna say out in Hawaii, a, a week in Hawaii with the Fight to Win guys. That it was a terrible. wild one. <laughs> it was great. Um, they put on just a lights out show up there. Um, we did a, a behind the scenes movie, but it's a little bit more than that. It's not just about Hawaii. It's about Seth Daniels, the origins of Fight to Win. It, it tells um, what I think is a pretty comprehensive story of uh, of the entire kind of history of Fight to Win and uh, culminating in this Fight to Win Hawaii show. So Love it. definitely it comes out uh, June 12th. We're going to be two, doing two premieres, one at noon and one at 7 p.m. You can watch it live right here on the site so i hope you guys will will check that one out it was fun man i've seen i've seen it it's absolutely awesome there's like four different storylines you get to know everyone on the fight to win crew and you begin to really appreciate the kind of the hustle those guys have it's it's incredible what they do so it's a lifestyle that they that they've adopted and and uh yeah it's a wild film's a lot of fun and uh, it gets you pumped to train absolutely absolutely no sleep yeah we love fight to win so i hope you got you guys tune into this it's gonna be uh it's gonna be cool it's gonna be cool it will Guys, I think that uh, just about wraps it up for today. Uh, sorry if we're a little all over the place. We are literally, our heads are spinning after <laughs> just an incredible week in California last week. And uh, just so much more great content still to come from Worlds coming up on Flow Grappling for, wow, I think we talk about this for weeks, right? So yeah, much to unpack from be. the World Championships. But thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again next time.